0: This week, in the parish of bourses and market structure, crypto goes e to e if not E2E, as JPX implodes amidst a growing Hong Kong clampdown. And is there a fat lady aria for London, as the UK blob launches Blamestormers Anonymous? My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast episode Two hundred and thirteen. Good day ladies and gentlemen, this is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details from our new website at exchangeinvest.com. In Bitcoinage this week, the world of crypto has gone for a whole new paradigm shifting model E2E, or preferably e Sue e the point at which literally everybody in the business sues everybody else. Indeed, what we were waiting for this week was news that presumably SBF is going to end up suing his parents. Meanwhile, the JPEX collapse may have sucked up 182 million US dollars and growing as we record this podcast. Now, that's still barely more than the 157 million dollars that FTX liquidators are seeking from their former FTX Hong Kong affiliate alone. But this latest Hong Kong crisis will impact Crypto V1.0 globally. The regulatory news is going to get more serious, even in jurisdictions which has never heard of the Hong Kong starlets and influencers who got, respectively, Tom brady and giselle by JPEX. But it's a similar pattern tale, it seems. A dozen folk had already been arrested from the JPEX management as we recorded this podcast, with more ringleaders still being sought. Hong Kong is pro-innovation, but it's anti-crime, as is Singapore, and those have been the front-running jurisdictions trying to tame crypto in Southeast Asia. JPEX shows crypto is still feral, and that means more showdowns and that, for example, in the USA, the GOP's crypto advocates are on the wrong side right now. The tide remains with Gary Gensler's SEC. Meanwhile, ahead of the SBF trial, there's much talk about how hilariously the Freed Bankman-Bankman-Freed unit of self-identifying model socialist family appears to have behaved like the greedy capitalist caricatures they have been seeking to work against in their political actions. Ah, the selflessness of these effective altruists. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to note that you can read Bitcarnage every day in Exchange Invest, the holistic guide to market infrastructure the world over the exchange of information. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage and the doings, happenings, suings and froings of crypto and digital asset market structure, you can find BitCarnage as a standalone on Substack. The tributes rolled in last week and it appears a lot of Chicago bros were in shock But at the end of the first wave of reporting on this affair, the Tilly Dally at SIBO, or formerly at SIBO, showed a board willing to make hard decisions when faced with evidence they have yet to share with the rest of us. A lot of the emotion appeared to centre upon the fact Ed Tilly appeared naturally harmless, so most talking heads liked him. I can't disagree. Ed is both likeable and harmless. However we're interested in improving the bottom line of exchanges so we don't necessarily warm to just the nice ability, while harmless is a liability when it comes to developing a business. Over in the City of London, out of his depth, Dave, Dave Schwimmer, the group CEO, hit a right nerve, but the LSEG couldn't hold their narrative together. Out of his depth, Dave was complaining about clickbait criticism of the city, but the trouble is his data Tourette syndrome means he isn't doing anything to help push this coherently, other than via, well, clickbait stories. London itself, especially the execrable UK government, is incapable of thinking beyond. LSE, LSEG, where the exchanges pushing progress are the likes of Aquas and Cebo, to name but two in cash equities. Or, as the Telegraph headline noted last week, complacency of London's stock exchange boss leaves the city in deep trouble, which raised the ongoing question about the odd one. Is he indeed complacent or just so staggeringly out of his depth? Well, it amounts to much the same thing, but the LSEG's blinkered go-to deals, Board of Greed, has landed the company in this mess where everybody wants easy money utility profits leveraged by more M&A when the basic plumbing is being ignored. It is, I suppose, a tragic parable of modern Britain as a whole. Elsewhere we had clickbait headlines like LSE boss warns u k firms of risk to value by listing in u s This wasn't the LSEG boss this was the LSE boss Although same difference in terms of general levels of competence and confidence. Ultimately, the LSE boss and the FCA decided to blamestorm everybody else at a conference which was rather shameful. It appears the issuers, media and anybody except the regulators and the key market operator are to blame for any current London equity malaise. The piteous negativity of the blame stormers from the FCA and the LSEG is a clear indication of their own fitness to be in their roles. Companies list outside London because they see a stick-in-the-mud mud blanc of status quo, which is threaded together by secretive and seemingly dubious, if not downright shady, policing of the markets by all parties without there being a coherent, positive plan to push Britain or British capital markets forward. The point where the FCA have blamed the UK media is laughable. The media have been shaped in the image of the FCA and LSE's own vast prevarications. Elsewhere, there was a great headline in the Financial Times, says it all really, how the US is crushing Europe's domestic exchanges, backed up with unbelievable statistics, which shows that, well, essentially... The LSEG is the tail on the dog and the other stock exchanges of Europe are pretty much the fleas that might hope to inherit a bit of the very, very far end of that tail. Presumably, out of his depth, Dave reckoned that was clickbait too. Down under ASIC, they sued a crypto exchange alleging design and distribution failures. Of course, we covered that in full and bit carnage, but it raised a fascinating question for the legacy parish. When it comes to design and distribution failures, is this not also a culpable failing of, well, we could mention a certain major Australian monopolist legacy exchange group who struggled with new new thing tech at a cost of $250 million of shareholders' funds recently? Hashtag asking for a friend. In the Bahamas, the very sad story is going to be the conclusion of the Arawak X story. By the look of it, we've still got to wait for the 13th of October for some sort of a hearing at the Supreme Court. But nonetheless, it looks as if that exchange is going to die. The Securities Commission of the Bahamas have identified negative $213,000 of working capital, which of course means that there was obviously also absolutely no sign of regulatory capital within the organisation, from what we understand, very 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 sad state of affairs to see an exchange go down like this, but alas, it does look as if it has been grievously mismanaged by the executive. Elsewhere, the BISX in the Bahamas, they're aiming to revive the small listings facility. Presumably, they're trying to find a way to create value from the markets that the ill-fated Arawak X had targeted. Albeit, to date, Arawak X had only been doing pure crowdfunding. The issue is, given BISX management was there all along, during the course of the possibilities of Arawak, what has changed that they can achieve an SME market this time around? One piece of key results this week, Aquas, their interims for the six months of the year ended 30th of June. Net revenue plus 17%, which is very encouraging. EBITDA up 26% and net profits leaping too. Still modest, 1.1 million pounds, 1.4 million dollars, but nonetheless leaping by 64%. Aquas are making sound progress in profits, despite this being heavy weather for stock markets and particularly UK SMEs, where they are in a periodic torpor thanks for listening to exchange invest weekly we welcome your feedback you can contact me directly patrick at Derivativesvision.com with any comments meanwhile if you enjoyed this show we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up or if you have time a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast one key new market this week welcome indonesia's first carbon credit exchange In deal news, two snippets. First of all, IEX, the Indian Energy Exchange, they divested a 4.93 equity stake in their gas exchange platform to Indian Oil. And Deutsche Beza have announced the preliminary tender results for their takeover of Simcorp. No surprises from the tender. 94% excluding Simcorp Treasury shares have been tendered. The deal proceeds towards completion and the mopping up of the outstanding shareholders. If you want to understand what's happening in the world of markets at the moment and that structure as a whole, whether it be on the blockchain, off the blockchain, in the legacy exchanges or indeed in the world of crypto assets, why don't you pick up a copy of my most recent book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World. It's published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victor or Death to arrive, check out our live stream Tuesday 6pm at London time, one o'clock New York time. It's the IPO Video Live Show. Catch the back episodes of IPO Vid on LinkedIn and YouTube via search for IPO-Vid. Our most recent show was a gripping one. We were talking about trade finance as an asset class with the excellent Andreas Schweitzer, a super expert in the field. And speaking of super experts, next week we've got a really, really interesting show. The former, actually she was the woman who founded the international office of the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trade and Mission in the United States of America. Andrea Corcoran is going to be our guest for IPOVID 119, Going Global, the birth of the CFTC. See you next Tuesday at 6 o'clock London, 1 o'clock New York time. Our finance book of the week this week is by another alumni from the IPO vid series. This book, written by Elliot Wave International's Head of Global Research, was our IPO video guest in episode 009, Murray Gunn. Trading regime analysis is a groundbreaking work on how markets behave driven by human nature. Regardless of whether you prefer fundamental or technical analysis, the ebb and flow of volatility is the undeniable fulcrum of market pricing. By understanding cycles of volatility, the manifestation of human psychology is the ultimate driver of markets and volatility – all investors can profit. Our next book of the week will be unveiled on Saturday in the EI Weekend Edition. You can get the EI Weekend Edition absolutely free, by the way, if you sign up at the ExchangeInvest.com website. But don't forget also, if you want all the news on the bourse business, the exchange of information, no less, then you can get that sent to your inbox Monday through Friday via ExchangeInvest.com. And it's only $349 per annum to join. Product news this week, TradeWeb, they've announced a JSCC clearing in Japan for MTF and SEF Yen swap transactions. An interesting angle given previous attempts by the Bank of Japan to force Yen clearing into JSCC. In Egypt, the Egyptian FRA is launching futures contract trading in derivatives markets at the same time as Egypt has moved its secondary market for debt securities over to the stock exchange. Then there was ICE Intercontinental Exchange. They're going to launch Corsia Carbon Credit Futures. Those are to help manage emission exposures from airlines. Technology news this week. It's almost unbelievable. Can it really be true? MCX say they're going to go live, finally, on the TCS platform from October the 1st, breaking away from their original founder's technology platform at 63 moons. This has been a total farrago which has damaged MCX's reputation and immolated TCS as a credible vendor. Finally, a transition may happen and Jignesh Shah's software will no longer be used in his original mega-successful revolutionary Indian commodities exchange. Exity they've selected BMLL for historical data and analytics in a partnership. That's an interesting deal for both partners. While European trading firms are set to expand derivatives trading in APAC, according to a new trading technology-sponsored Acuity report. LSEG's Refinitive icon platform alas had a bit of an outage last week across Europe. Presumably that will coincide with an increase in Refinitive fees. Or perhaps ODD will just tell us that that actually happens to be clickbait. Regulation news this week, very dispiriting story from the CFTC. The CFTC have disapproved CalciX LLC's Congressional Control Contracts. Frankly, the CFTC stumbles from bad to worse, albeit this looks like the standard CFTC problem of being craven to a certain major incumbent while loathing innovation unless it's by somebody in short trousers, at which stage the discredited chairman Benham is weak at the knees with excitement. The latest refusal to permit Calci products marks a chasm with CME, who can open binary products through their self regulatory. Avenue, and the CFTC looks on impotent to prevent them, even as CME oil contracts have plunged negative and discredited the whole parish. Secondly, the lack of awareness of a CFTC which blithers about crypto and blockchain tech which just may not suit ETD remains colossal. Like box office futures and onions, there is no reason to avoid derivatives on political outcome, and indeed in the dangerous gerontocracy discrediting America as a political system, There is every reason to permit as many risk transfer moves as possible so we can reduce our exposures to the US political force, which is Washington, D.C.'s blob. It remains a bizarre scenario where a year ago, the hapless chairman, Benham, was apparently complicitly willing to enable FTX gambling the whole financial system. Now his administration bans the rest of us from a modicum of risk transfer across the sorry cesspool which proposed him as a worthy regulator in the first place. Career news this week. Six. Interesting and exciting move there. They're appointing the head of NASDAQ's European markets, Bjorn Sibbern, as their global head of exchanges and a member of the executive board. Very exciting to see Bjorn Sibbern, EVP of European Trading Services, moving across to the Six Group. All the very best, Bjorn, after a 15 year tenure with NASDAQ and, of course, with. OMX prior to that from 2004. He's been a marked success throughout his career with the OMX and later NASDAQ, OMX and NASDAQ groups. Stepping up as head of European Trading Services, where Bjorn played a critical role in driving a unified strategy in support of NASDAQ's European trading listings and marketplace business, is Roland Chai, the current EVP of Marketplace Technology. All the very best to both on their exciting moves. Bjorn Sibbern was, of course, an early IPO vid alumni, having been our guest on IPO vid 005, the view from Nasdaq's European exchange headquarters. Quick snippet from the LSEG. Douglas Stingland has stepped on as non-executive director of the LSEG board, but actually that's just a case of he's had the Sach stock, which he sold after the refinitive deal, and therefore is saying Abyssinia to the board. The word on the street, though, there's no press release, but this is the LSEG, which can, of course, stop selling exchange technology and manage not to announce it, is telling us that the LSEG's internal comms are pointing to Bridget Trafford departing LSEG, where she held the post of Chief Corporate Affairs and Marketing Officer. Perhaps she was just embarrassed by the shambles she has observed in recent years. Clearly our intel is wrong, however, that the memo claims something to the effect of La Trafford is leaving, now the brand transformation is complete. Unless, of course, that means the LSEG brand has indeed been transformed under Odd and the Greedy Board, albeit that transition is from a competent market structure company with a broad store of department store operations into a business riven with data Tourette's no clear focus, run by ludicrously linear ex Reuters work schemers who will always put internal politics before profit, managing via an Orwellian obsession with anonymous Zoom calls, while well, the business has largely forgotten about the core markets, which was their business for centuries. Who knows? Maybe branding has just gone postmodern. And finally this week, some fun facts from Big World worth considering when another dinner party bore without a clue talks about the end of US dollar hegemony thanks to the new BRICS currency payment system that's been proposed. So, BRICS currencies via the US dollar over 10 years have performance that look a bit off in the case of China, while all the rest look resolutely dire. The Chinese yuan is down 14% against the US greenback over the course of the last decade. The Brazilian real, 55% the Russian ruble, 68% the Indian rupee. Not exactly impressive, but still only down 35% of the original core BRICS members. Amongst the newbie members, it's a bloodbath with, of course, the two conspicuous exceptions of Saudi Arabia and the UAE Durham because they're pegged to the US dollar. But nonetheless, the Argentine peso is down 98% against the US dollar, the Egyptian pound down 78%, the Ethiopian bear down 68%, the Iranian real down 90%. Call me old-fashioned, but I think the US dollar, despite many issues, might just hang in there with its exorbitant privilege for a while yet. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, my name is Patrick L. Young, creator of Marketplaces and Exchanges the World Over and publisher of the Bulletin of the Bourse Business, the exchange of information itself, Exchange Invest. I wish you all a great week in life and markets.